Well, let us, uh, before we get to the message, let us pray together. Oh, King of heaven, come now. We have just sung that, but we have also prayed that. And how glorious your presence is. Lord, already through your Holy Spirit, you have come to be among us, but also within us. As we open up our lives to you, Lord, and as we open up our lives to you, Lord, we're reminded of the, of the command in Scripture to keep being filled by the Holy Spirit. As we continue to open up our lives to you and asking, Lord, for you to truly be Lord, not only of creation, Lord, but Lord of our lives. And Lord, there, we confess that there is a part in us that is resistant to anyone else being Lord except ourselves. Lord, we need your spirit to soften our hearts. We need to see your goodness and your glory anew to realize, Lord, how foolhardy to think that we could even compete with being Lord. For Lord, you are the one who is ultimately good. You are the one who cares not for yourself, but for all people. Lord, we need that kind of selfless love to be what reigns not only in our hearts, but Lord, in the world, in our relationships, whether it be at home, in the school, in the workplace. And Lord, for that, we need your constant mentoring by your Holy Spirit. We need you to, uh, to make us alive in you. And Lord, we need you to open up our eyes and our hearts as we open up your word, Lord, that we would see your glory and your goodness anew and that we would resolve, that we would be drawn, Lord, um, to serve you with our whole beings. And so, Lord, we, uh, we thank you that you are the King of heaven and that you have come to be among us. Amen. Labor Day weekend. Hmm. One day, three people from three different lines of work were having lunch together. And they began having a friendly debate over which of their jobs was the most important. Now, uh, they were able to, maybe miraculously, agree on at least one measuring stick. That being, you know, which of their occupations was the oldest. All of them were Christians, so they decided to, to look in the Bible for the answer. And the surgeon, well, he was certain that his occupation was clearly the most ancient. And he opened up the Bible to, uh, to Genesis chapter 2, where it says that God uh, surgically removed a rib from the man. Well, the others hadn't quite thought of it that way before, but they had to admit it probably did require some kind of surgery. Well, that reference gave the architect an idea. So he flipped the Bible back one more page to Genesis chapter 1. And he explained how God's forming the earth and then filling it was evidence that, uh, that his work of architecture and building was surely the oldest. Well, not to be outdone by either of his friends, the politician pointed to uh, Genesis 1 verse 2, the pre-creation state of the world. And they, they said to him, what do you mean? 
How is that relevant? Well, their friend replied, who do you think created all the chaos in the first place? Well, every morning we get up and prepare for some kind of work, even if we are retired or unemployed from a regular job. Our work might be in the home, uh, in the neighborhood, in a school, an office, or an ever-changing job site. Sometimes we feel really good about our work. It seems worthwhile and satisfying. But there are also times where what we do seems like a waste of effort, and we're ready to say, take this job and shove it. The reality is that every day millions of people do their chores or their work without seeing even the slightest connection between what they do and what God does and wants done in the world. Does your washing dishes, sweeping floors, crunching numbers, sewing, building, programming, teaching, or selling matter to God or not? Before I ever became a pastor, I thought the kind of work that really mattered to God was my volunteer work in the church or my occasional attempts to talk about faith with my coworkers on the job. I saw the value of my work as a laborer in the construction industry primarily to make money so that I could do the things that I wanted, that I wanted or get the education that I needed to do what I thought mattered most to God church work, pastor work. But it was while I was working in construction that I was blessed to have a pastor who did a series of messages for three months on how all of our work matters to God. That series began to transform how I thought about and did my work, even my chores at home. And so when I became a pastor a few years later, I decided that at least once every year, and usually on Labor Day weekend, I would share with others the biblical perspective that I found so inspiring and liberating related to work. You know, one important point that all those three people in the opening illustration, you know, were right to pick up on, whether they realized it or not, was how the Bible presents God as a worker. In the beginning, God went to work. Now, you need to know that for most people in the ancient world, that was an incredibly ungodlike thing to do. To the Greeks, for example, work was a curse and beneath the dignity of a free person. Well, work, especially hands-on work, was, not consi was considered beneath that of human leaders, let alone the gods. The gods created people to do the work for them. Yet in the Bible, God's example and rhythm of work and rest forms the backdrop, the paradigm, the model for everything that follows. So the architect and builder was right to notice and find significance in the divine arch architect and builder's work. The surgeon wisely saw the divine surgeon's work in forming Adam and Eve as a, as a model for his own. And the politician his work, too, is a kind of God work, as we shall see. So the biblical truth that I want to unpack and explore today is that our, our work not only matters to God, but can and ought to be an ongoing expression of our worship to Him. You see, in our language and culture, well, there is no overlap between work and worship. 
Totally different words, often different concepts. But the ancient Hebrew people had a deep understanding of how faith and work came together in their lives. Indeed, one of the words that they often used for work was the same word that was commonly used for worship. The Hebrew word, I'm going to teach it to you, avodah. Say that with me. Avodah. Okay, you're going to want to remember this. It means work, service, and worship. As Austin Burkhart points out, the various usages of this Hebrew word first found in Genesis 2.15, where God put Adam in the garden to work it. And that, it tells us that God's original design and desire is that our work and worship would be a seamless way of living. You see, in some verses, the word avodah means work, hands-on work, like tilling the soil in Genesis 2. Also, work in a vineyard, weaving flax, building a city. In Exodus 34, 21, God said through Moses, six days you shall do your avodah, your work. And in Psalm 104, Psalm 104 is really a hymn to God the worker. And yet, along the way in verse 23, it also, we, what we do gets included. It says, then people go out to do their avodah, their labor until evening. In other verses, avodah means worship. That is worship of God. And this is how it is often used in the book of Exodus. For example, when the Lord sends Moses to Pharaoh to deliver his message. This is what the Lord says. Let my people go that they may avodah, worship me. And in the book of Joshua, Joshua, Moses' successor, at the end of that book, he challenges the people to make a decision about whom they will worship, avodah. But as for me and my household, Joshua says, we will avodah, serve, worship the Lord. Now, I have found it incredibly powerful and significant to realize that the word for hands-on work is also used for worshiping and serving God. One writer called avodah a picture of integrated faith. So often we think of worship as something we do on Sunday and work as something we do on Monday. This dichotomy is neither what God designed nor what he desires for our lives. Amen? Well, when we come to the New Testament, we find the Apostle Paul expressing the redemptive possibilities for our work in several of his New Testament letters. For example, in the 12th chapter of his letter to the Romans, he urges his Christian brothers and sisters to offer their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This, he says, is your true and proper worship. Now, one reason he calls this our true and proper worship is because, uh, as writer Gordon Dahl puts it, we tend to worship our work, work at our play, and play at our worship. Isn't that right? We tend to worship our work, work at our play, and play at our worship. See, without an understanding of how the gospel also redeems the work that we do, you know, from being self-centered to being God-centered, we will either devalue work, you know, in my day as a teenager, I think my understanding of work was shaped by a lover boy, Everybody's working for the weekend. Some of you will be going down memory lane there. Or, or else we idolize work. 
you know? I am a teacher. I am a builder. I am a pastor. See, work becomes our significance and our identity. And we really realize that when we lose our job. I realized how much of my identity was wrapped up in pastor when I lost my job as pastor years ago. Then we realize it. Or sometimes when people retire or they're unemployed. Instead, God wants us to recover a seamless way of life in which we present our whole lives as an offering to him. I love the way the message puts Romans 12 verse 1. Eugene Peterson says, Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. When we work for God out of gratitude to him for delivering us and, and, and in service to him, we are free to serve others like he does. No matter how unreasonable or ungrateful, uh, you know, people around us may be. And this is why in his letter to the Colossians, Paul said to slaves who have come to faith in Christ, you have a new purpose and a new boss. So, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. I wonder, are you saying, Paul, I should pretend? (laughs) You know, I know I've got this human master. I should pretend that I'm working for you? Uh, No. He goes on to say, Think and act as if you are working for the Lord because you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. It is the Lord Christ you are ultimately serving. The late John Stott used to tell the following story to explain how this new focus and new purpose can transform how and why we work. And Stott told the story of a man who was walking down a country lane when he came across a stone quarry where there was a group of men at work. And he asked several of them what they were doing. And the first man replied rather irritably, Can't you see? I'm hewing a stone, chipping away at it. Well, the second one that he asked, without even looking up, said, I'm earning 100 pounds a week. But when he asked a third man the same question, the worker stopped. He put down his pick, stood up, and even stuck out his chest a little and said, you want to know what I'm doing? I am building a cathedral. Hmm. You see, the first man could not see beyond his pick. The second man could not see beyond his paycheck. But the third man Look beyond the tools of his trade and his wages to the ultimate purpose. The ultimate purpose that he was serving. He was cooperating with the architect. However small his particular contribution may have been, he was helping the master architect construct a glorious building for worshiping God. And this worker knew that his work mattered because it served a much higher purpose. So I've got an exercise for you guys to do. It's going to require a little uh, mental work here and and cooperating together. But first I want to know, how many of you had breakfast this morning? Okay, most of you. If you didn't, imagine one of those days that you did have breakfast. Okay. Now your assignment is, Elaine and I tried this during the week. Identify how many different kinds 
of work or workers helped contribute to your breakfast in some small way. Okay? Now, you can take a moment to introduce. You can do it in a group of, uh, let's say, four or five. Two is the smallest group, okay? And I want you, and somebody just kind of start counting along the way, you know, approximate figures. You got about a minute or two to do that. Any questions before you go to your assignment? Okay, how many kinds of work or workers helped, you know, you get your breakfast this morning? Go for it, starting now. Okay, some of you are still counting away, that's good. Okay, I'm going to call you back to attention. Just a few people here, how many, how many kinds of worker workers contributed to your breakfast this morning? Eight? Twelve? Twenty? Ten? Any more than twenty? A few hundred. Any more than a few hundred? At least a thousand. At least a thousand. It was a big breakfast, she said. <laughs> okay, well, just you can put up the next slide. I, you know, I started thinking about, at first I thought, just a few, but then you think about all the contributing sectors. Usually there's some kind of agriculture, and each one, you know, I, I grew up on a farm, so I know that even planting the seed, how did I get the seed? How did I get that in the ground? You know, how did it get watered, grow, harvested? You know, who paid for that? All of the different things. There's transportation involved, utilities, you know, uh, mining, forestry. You know, mining? Really? For breakfast? Did you use a metal utensil? Did you use chopsticks? Okay. You, one of those, you know. Okay. And that was a lot of work, a lot of people involved in that, right? Manufacturing, construction, you know, was there a building at all that you were had your, having your breakfast in? Well, there was a lot of people involved in that. You see, it just continues to go on. This is just an illustrative list. Well, as I started to think about that, it got into the thousands. This must be thousands of people involved. And I thought, how many of you are, are involved in one of these lines of work? Anybody? has been or involved in one of these kinds of industries? 
I've only got one person willing to put up their hand. There's a few more. I bet you we'd have to start thanking everybody here for how they contributed in some way to, our bre- to my breakfast, to your breakfast. Now, many people are aware of the great reformer Martin. Oh, by the way, I started then thinking about, do I know people in each of these sectors, contributors, like that work in these areas? Because I remember years ago, there was a bread shortage in our local grocery store because there was a, I can't remember what had happened, and there were no pallets. The pallets weren't able to get to where the bread was made and delivered to our store. So we had a shortage of bread, and I thought about, my friend Chris at the time worked at making pallets. And I'd never thought to thank God for my friend Chris making, you know, contributing to my breakfast until the bread didn't show up because there weren't pallets to put it on and to transport it with. Well, the great reformer Martin Luther from the 16th century, many people know he helped reclaim a biblical view of salvation. Not, it's not what we can do to get in favor with God. No, God has graciously extended his favor to us and asks us to confess our sins and to accept this free gift of grace by faith, not by works. But Martin Luther also helped reclaim a biblical view of work. And he helped people teach that all kinds of occupations, not just, you know, priests and nuns and, uh, you know, that, is to see your work as God work. And in Luther's large catechism, when he addressed the petition in the Lord's Prayer to give us this day our daily bread, Luther says, when you pray for daily bread, you are praying for everything that contributes to your having and enjoying your daily bread. You must open up and expand your thinking so that it reaches not only as far as the flour bin and baking oven, but also over the broad field, the farmlands, and the entire country that produces, processes, and conveys to us our daily bread and all kinds of nourishment. And Luther called these kinds of work the masks of God. You see, the way that God works with and through people to feed every living thing. These are all God's callings, all ways of doing God work in the world, all ways through which God distributes his gifts to us. And doing our work for God is a great thing. But doing our work with God is even better. The kind of work God does is incredibly diverse and covers every occupational role you can think of, including political work. Luther, too, in his exposition of of Psalm 147, verse 13, and in that uh, verse it talks about, uh, which assures that a city, or that God strengthens the bars of your gates. That is your city gates. And Luther asked, how does God provide for the safety and security of a city? Isn't it through lawmakers, police officers, on those working in government and politics? God cares, he says, for our civic need through the work of others whom he gifts and calls to that work. So I've got an assignment homework for you to do this week. I want you to ask yourself at least once a day these two questions. Jot it down. Maybe you can remember these. I hope you can remember these. First, who am I working for? 
Who am I working for? There's multiple layers to that, right? You're working for me for my breakfast, some of you, right? And, and for others, but who am I working for? When we do whatever we do with all our heart as working for the Lord, which Paul said we should do, we know that our reward is God himself. God himself will say to us one day, well done, a good and faithful servant. Right? Now, of course, it is wonderful to have human encouragement along the way, right? To recognize and affirm uh, people and others for what they do and not take it for granted or not be taken for granted. But even daily chores can take on new meaning when we turn our lives over to the Lord and serve Him in all we do. Uh, It is said that for many years, uh, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham, had this inscription over her kitchen sink. Divine services conducted here three times a day. Divine services conducted here three times a day. She's right. She's right. God does chores. He does, doesn't he? Look at all the feeding, all the cleaning that he does. Purifying. There is a whole host of chores that God does each day to sustain us. And he invites us to participate with what he is doing and wants done in the world. A homemaker said, you know, this feels like she's always having to do this work again, bringing, and then she thought about how God continually brings order out of chaos. Order out of chaos. And she said, this too is God work, that I'm working with God to bring order out of chaos. She's right. Who am I working for? And second, what is God like about this work, about the work that I'm doing? I love the way Paul Stevens unpacks this when he explains how God is creator. Well, he, he basically says, back up for a moment. Paul Stevens says, invites us to think of all the vocational or occupational hats that God wears. And so God is creator when he has that hat on, if you will. He invites people to invent new things, start new businesses, design new computer programs, and write new music with him, and new artwork like we saw in the display out there, if you haven't seen it yet, to Rebecca and Norma were at work this week. God the sustainer, when he has that occupational hat, if you will. He invites people to make meals with him, to sweep floors with him, to put out the garbage with him, to make a home with him. And God the Redeemer, he invites us to fix things, to transform things and people, not just in imitation of what he does, as though, you know, as though we could do real God work, but with him, fixing cars, Setting and casting bones, right, Reinhardt? And and preaching. Working with God is a way of worshiping, serving Him. I believe when we think about this and take it to heart, it will impact how we do our work. And it will impact how we think about and appreciate also the work of others. I think it should grow our thanksgiving as well. 
And so that is your homework for this week to ask yourself, who am I working for and what is God like about this work? Invite the uh, worship team to come up and as they're coming, let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to redeem us. But not just to redeem our souls, but to redeem our whole being, to redeem everything that we do, to restore all things as it was in the beginning. For God, your original design was that our work was a part of worshiping, a way of worshiping you with our whole being, of working not only for you, but with you. Lord, as we so often, as our children are growing up, we, we have them work with us. And it builds relationship and awareness and also appreciation. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who continues to work, that you are wanting to redeem not only us, but the work of our hands as well, that in some way they might bring glory and honor and pleasure to you. And so, Lord, we thank you for the wisdom of your word, for the wonderful example that you have set for us, that you, Lord, are a worker, and you made us in your image as workers. Lord, may we indeed serve you with our whole lives this week and bring glory to you, and may we have opportunity as well, Lord, to share with others who it is that we are serving and why our work matters to you. Amen. Thank you, Heather and, and worship team, for leading us in worship this morning and for the worship that we're going to do during the week, right, as we go out from here. Just a reminder that we have uh, people available for a prayer team. If you would like prayer, I invite you to come following the service here and to, uh, and to join them up at the front on your right-hand side. Also, just a reminder, as Travis mentioned, on the first Sunday of each month when we have communion, we also take a, a, another offering, if you will, to help with our elder care fund. And I know we just had a, a request uh, for that this week. And so if you want to contribute to that, you can put that in the offering envelope, market elder care fund, and you can put it in the offering box at the back. And also, if you could just take the, uh, the little cup and plastic cup that you had when you came in, and if you could uh, put that... Uh, to, dispose of that on your way out, that would be appreciated. I want to leave you just with some verses from uh, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the, the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat or for retirement or for whatever it is. But he grants sleep, it says, to those he loves. Work and rest, both are gifts from God. Let us go out and serve him with all our heart and rest in him with all our being. Amen.